0: In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, of Jesus we, have, we the have, have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, when us so will have to flee. can tell of his love for you in oh, the name of Jesus. T- well, I s- interrupted
1: the song with my equipment here. Hold on a minute.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Give me just a second. He um, plays
2: the piano like my father, that chap. Really? Yeah, he played the piano just like that, my
1: father did, every Sunday. I'm going to start it from the beginning here. Stand Amen. by.
2: In the name of Jesus.
1: Here we go.
0: God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, when will have to flee? Who can tell what God can? His love for you. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Demons will have to flee Who can tell what God can do Who can tell of his love for you In the name of Jesus, Jesus We have the victory Praise God, in the name of Jesus Amen You may be seated Yes (laughs) <laughs> Brother Michael, yeah,
1: that was um, that was a song that was recorded at my grandfather's church uh, back in the um, late '80s, probably early '90s, probably oh, early wonderful. '90s, and um, called "In the Name of Jesus." And I think he yeah, forgot I, some of the words at the beginning, but he got it worked out by the end. "In the Name of yeah. Jesus," the, the demons have to flee. Um, well, I, I thought that song came.
2: I thought it was a recording from the '30s because my father, he was a a pianist, and he played just like that man used to play.
1: That's amazing. uh, Wow. I thought it was something
2: from the 30s. I thought it was one of the old uh, black evangelists who who used to sing in the 30s, but I was surprised it was by the 80s. Wonderful song. Well, you know that song. One of the great deliverance songs.
1: That may be where it originated from. Come think of it. Um, Growing up in the Church of God, <clears throat> that I did. My grandfathers were both pastors, and um, in the seventies and eighties, I went to church up until about the mid nineties, and um, we were still using the old hymnal books, I and mean. they were a brown or a green cover book, and you know the old songs, been yes. sung for over a hundred yes. years, and that's all I know. The old rugged cross, there's power in the blood. Um, uh, Oh, How I Love Jesus, all those songs. Brother, I don't understand any of the new music. That's just me. I, I may be a um, what do you call it, an anachronism? Um, I don't know, but um, after I left the church in the 90s and would come back and in and float in and uh, the music was changing. They went from having choirs to worship teams and it just never yes, really set yes. well with me. Now, someone who doesn't uh, have that history that I do, and only maybe came into the church, uh, you know, later, after the choirs were gone in many of these churches. Well, uh, they don't understand where I'm coming from, but um, sadly, a lot of the music today, you don't know who they're talking about. It could be um, talking about your boyfriend or girlfriend just as soon as it is talking about God.
2: Um, yeah, that that's true.
1: You it's know,
2: sad. when I was a child, when I was a child, I grew up. We used to have the Boys' Brigade, and it used to come through the streets in the poorer parts of London. And there used to be about four drummers, and they used to march like soldiers. And they all used to sing, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, Onward Christian Soldiers, Fight the Good Fight. And they were all, you know, wonderful songs with such fervor. And like you, I grew up with them. My favorite song of all time is Stand By Me. When the storms of life are raging, Stand By Me. I love those old songs. They're so emotional and they've got so much anointing. There's anointing in these songs. But the modern songs are really like pop songs that have got
1: Christian lyrics added to them. Yeah, you know, some of these songs today, they could be cross hopper. What are they called? Uh, Chart crossers.
2: Uh, yes, could, yes.
1: Yes. You could just as soon have seen it on uh second part of Billboard is the Christian side. So yeah, you know, God kinda had, had me hit away, I guess. I didn't get um I didn't get into any of that song. So when people are out there treating some of the Hill songs, worship songs, it doesn't move me. It really doesn't.
2: No, no, I just no, it doesn't move me.
1: I I I want something very simple that um it says who it's talking about, Jesus or his blood or the cross. That's all I need.
2: Yes, yes. Make me happy. That's all I need. And I I like to see people clap and raise the roof when they sing.
1: Oh, yes. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. When these these people used to walk through the poor streets of London on Sunday morning, you know, most people were in bed or they was having their breakfast, and they always used to have an ex-army man who used to walk in front of them, and he had a big caber, and when they used to do a drum roll, we used to throw it in the air as high as he could and catch it when it come down, and they all used to wear berets and dress like soldiers, really? and they used to believe that as a Christian you're an arm, you're an army, you're an army fighting for God, and that oh, was yes. the, that was what they they used to pass over to people. I used to stand on the end and march with them. I wow! I think it was wonderful. That's wonderful. exciting. And then on a on a parade Sunday they used to get they used to get a Scottish regiment out playing bagpipes as they walked through the streets. Really? It was wonderful. Used to play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. Oh, if you yeah. hear Amazing Grace on the bagpipes, it brings you to tears.
1: I love that song on the bagpipes bagpipes. Now yeah. did you mention your dad was also a pianist? He was a pianist.
2: He was a jazz pianist. He used to play things like Fat Swallow and Ain you know, and he wow. used to play Oscar Peterson, that stuff, and he used to make me sing on a Sunday morning. He could read music, and uh, he was self-taught pianist, and he used to give me the sheet music, and I used to sing along to him. You know, these old jazz classics, you know, and uh, he liked Fat Swaller, and all that, Oscar Peterson, uh, you know, and all that stuff he used to play. And he played the piano Honky Tonk style, right? That man you had played in your, your oh. granddad's church. Honky oh, yes. style.
1: Um, Jerry Lee Lewis? <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful.
2: You know, I love Jerry Lee Lewis, and of course, unfortunately, he went wrong. He's Jimmy Swaggart's cousin, isn't he? And yep. uh, he went to a Baptist cemetery uh, uh, cen- cen- cenary, and he left, didn't he? And But I loved his playing. I love Little Richard. Did you like Little Richard? Oh, sure. I it, yes, I sir. He was amazing. They were yes, amazing sir. guys. They sure were. You know, and. and uh, Great stuff. And it, that's what church music is. Church music's wonderful.
1: We had a guy, um, that was Brother uh, Lewis, playing the piano. He was also the church accountant, but Tim Golly. Lewis was his name, but he was a fantastic piano player. And uh, yeah, yeah. he would get up there and he's like a concert pianist. And then uh, usually there'd be someone on an organ, too, and, um, you know. Um, as I listen to some of the old A.E. Allen Miracles Today shows, um, they've got that signature Hammond organ. And man, yes. I've really come to love that Hammond organ.
2: Hammond organ is beautiful. A.A. <laughs> uh, Allen used to have a guy called Gene. I can't think of his last name. Yes. Gene somebody was his uh, praise and worship man. He was fantastic. Oh yes. You know And uh, yeah, the Hammond organ's wonderful because it came to prominence in the 60s with all the rhythm and blues bands that come out of England. Uh, one of them was the Spencer Davis group, Stevie Winwood, He adopted the Hammond organ. And I remember watching him when he was 14. He sang Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out on the Hammond organ. Uh, you know, wonderful stuff.
1: Oh, yes, sir. Folks, uh Welcome aboard. We're excited to be here today with Pastor Michael Cummins. He's coming all the way from England and uh, this is a live program. Today is uh, Wednesday, February Wait a minute. Are we already in February? Yes, we are. I just had a a brain burp. We're already in February. Where's the year going, Brother Michael?
2: Well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where it's going. It's going too quickly for me.
1: I did a double take.
2: When you're 71, it goes too
1: quickly, the days. I thought we were in January. No, we're in February. Excuse me, February February. 22nd, 2023. Good grief. Um, Well, here we are. We're excited to be here, though, with Michael. And Brother Michael, would you like to open us up in prayer?
2: Certainly. Dear Lord God, we pray for everyone listening to this program today. And Lord, if they're being attacked, if they're being harassed, and tormented by demons. We pray, Lord, that you will fit them with the whole armor of God today. We pray that they will take their stand against the evil one today, with me as we all take our stand against him. And we pray by the end of this program that the captives will be released, the chains will be broken, and they will be set free and restored in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: I say amen to that. My friend, always an honor to be here with you, and you've got all the time you want. The mic is yours. Take your time.
2: Thank you so much. Hello to everyone. God bless you all. Our love to you today. What we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about a various number of subjects. I doubt very much if we'll finish it all today, so we'll do another program. But We're going to be talking about Christians believing in demonology, Christian demonology, its origins, what certain people have to say about it, what the Bible has to say about it. We'll be looking at certain types of spirits, specifically the Nephilim, and we'll be reading about that today. Now, let us look at this. In some Christian traditions, even in other religions, Demons are spoke about. Demons are spoke about in Hinduism, in Islam, in Christianity. Now, why are demons here with us? Where do they come from and what do they do? We know that demons are here to torment mankind. They're here to turn you away from your worship of God. And basically, they're here to lead us all into sin. And many of us in our lives have been unfortunate enough to be led into sin by demons and evil spirits, not realizing it was them. When a young man sees a beautiful young woman and she comes to him and she's very revealing and she's very sexual with him and he falls into sexual sin with her, he would never think that was a demon behind that. He would think that was a blessing that such a beautiful woman would find him attractive. That's where we miss. That's where we don't really realize what the demons are up to. Now, I'm going to talk about first about a man called Enoch. You know, when we hear about Enoch, who was it, Enoch? Well, we know Enoch lived in the uh, antediluvian period of the Bible. That is the time between the fall of man and the flood. Enoch was the son of Jared and the father of Methuselah. You've heard of Methuselah because he was the oldest man who ever lived. The Bible states that Enoch lived 365 years before he was transported and taken up into heaven. We'll read the scriptures covering that in a minute, but we want to look at what Enoch said in the book of Enoch. Now I'll explain to you, I read the book of Enoch. It's a very heavy read. Uh, The book of Enoch is not in the Christian Bible, but in two places. It's not canonical in our Bible, but it's canonical. In other words, it's in the Bibles of the Eritrean and the Ethiopian Orthodox churches. And it was referred to by the early church fathers, but it wasn't in the Bible. And Enoch states, that demons are the disembodied disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. And Enoch explains in the book of Enoch, and I'll read it to you now. And now the giants who are produced from the spirit angels and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth. And on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on earth and evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits on the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle and work destruction on the earth and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst and cause offences. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. From the days of the slaughter and destruction and the death of the giants, from the souls of whose flesh the spirits, having gone forth, shall destroy without occurring judgment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what Enoch is talking about, he's talking about that the demons, what we call demons, are disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Now, we will speak about the Nephilim in the book of Genesis in a minute. But how many of those spirits came down from heaven? We know there was a war in heaven in the book of Revelation, and Michael and his angels fought, and the devil and his angels fought. And they found their place in heaven no longer, and they was cast to the earth. In 1467, a man called Alfonso de Spina, he worked out that the number of the demons or the number of the angels that was cast to the earth, and remember that was a third of all the angels that God created, was the number of 133,316,666. This idea, is one third of the angels. So that means God created approximately 400 million angels if 133 million fell to the earth. The idea was that a third of the angels turned into demons and he used the book of Revelation, Revelation 12, 3, 9, as his way of calculating it. Now, Alfonso de Spina was a Spanish-Franciscan Catholic preacher and a writer. Hallelujah. Now, he put 666 on the end of the demons because he was influenced by the Spirit of God. Now, let's have a look at the Nephilim. Let's get our Bibles out today. And let's have a look what the Bible says about the Nephilim. This is an interesting subject, and it's something that we must learn. I have to tell you that uh, having read many books about demons and their origins and where they come from, I myself, and I don't expect you to agree with me, I just put the subject before you, and you decide what you think is right and wrong. I think that Enoch is correct. We must always remember that Enoch was trans- up to God he was translated up to God and he is with the lord and he will come again in the end times i believe as one as the two witnesses let's turn to genesis 6 and we'll read verses 2 to 6 and it said that the sons of god saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose and the lord said My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, the same became mighty men, who were of old, men of renown, And God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Now, I've always had problems with this, problems with verse two, because these are Spirits that have been cast out of heaven, they've been cast to the earth. If a third of those angels were 133 million, then we've got problems in the earth. There's no doubt about that. It said that the sons of men saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. I've never believed that things that are evil that have come down to the earth and been cast out of heaven because of their rebellion, because of their pride, because these angels followed Lucifer, who was the fallen angel, and they came to the earth. They never took these women to be their wives. They took them because they lusted after them. I doubt if there was very much marriage between any of them. Because what these fallen angels would have done was to try to destroy God's law. Remember, marriage was given to us by the Lord in the Garden of Eden. God saw how sad Adam was because he was on his own. And God gave him Eve by doing the first operation in the Bible, by putting him to sleep and taking the rib out of his body. And out of that, rib became woman. So marriage was something that was holy. These fallen angels were not holy. They was cast out of heaven. They had rebelled against God. So what their intentions and Satan's intentions would have been to destroy mankind, they would have been full of rage, full of envy, full of bitterness. And they wouldn't have said to these women on the earth, I think you're beautiful, will you marry me? They would have seduced them. They would have tempted them. They would have had sex with them outside the marriage bed. Now, these were supernatural beings. These were angels. And they had left their heavenly abode. And remember, God created angels not to have sexual relationships, but they had broken God's covenant. The book of Jude speaks about the angels that lost their correct place in heaven and they've been jailed into the deepest darkness until the end times. So I believe that these demons, when they went with these women, these, sorry, these angels, when they went with these women, remember they would have been like the angels in heaven. They would have had all the fatigues of the angels in heaven, but they wouldn't have had the holiness. They no longer obeyed God. They had been cast out with Satan. Satan was no longer Lucifer. He was Satan, and he was their master. So when these women gave birth to these babies, most of these women died. These babies were huge. They grew to be giants. And these women's birth canal would have split open. They would have died straight away. I believe this was a deliberate trick by Satan to impregnate all women on the earth so they would all give birth to Nephilim children. What about the Nephilim? Well, they were giants. People in the world have actually found remnants of the Nephilim. I've seen photos of them, huge skulls with two sets of teeth, five fingers and a thumb, up to 10 feet tall. They were called men of renown. They was extremely strong. There's some Red Indian uh, doctrine that has come out of the Red Indian people and they even have written about giants in North America in their old days. And they've even said they fought the Nephilim because the Nephilim would kill the buffalo. They would kill their food source and they had to fight them. Now they never knew the Bible, but they saw these giants in their land. We're going to read the Bible now. And talking about the land of Canaan, now there was Nephilims in there. One of the reasons God brought the flood upon the world was to stop these Nephilim from doing their evil. Let's have a look at Numbers thirteen. Let's have a look at Numbers thirteen, please. Verses. 32 and 33. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at this now. This is a very controversial subject, and I'm sure many Christians don't, do not believe that the demons that operate in the world today are, are disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, but we'll keep teaching. Numbers 13. Hallelujah. Verses 32 to 33. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And then we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. The 12 spies went in to spy out the land of Canaan and they're seeing these giants there. They're seeing these giants there. And we have to say to ourselves that this is in the Bible. This has been seen, so it must be true. There were giants on the earth. Let's have a look at Ezekiel 32, verses 17 to 32. We'll take pages out of there as well. We want to learn about these things, the Nephilim. Hallelujah. Verses 17 to 32. I'll read the lot to you now. It's quite a lot. And it came to pass also in the 12th year, in the 15th day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, wail for the multitude of Egypt and cast them down, even her and the daughters of the famous nations unto the nether parts of the earth with them that go down into the pit. Whom dost thou pass in beauty, go down, And be thou laid with the uncircumcised. They shall fall in the midst of them that are slain by the sword. She is delivered to the sword. Draw her and all her multitudes. The strong amongst the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with them that helped him. They are gone down. They lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Asher is there and all her company. His graves are about him. All of them slain, fallen by the sword. Hallelujah. Whose graves are set in the sides of the pit and her company is round about her grave. All of them slain, fallen by the sword, which caused terror in the land of the living. There is Elam and all her multitude round about her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, which have gone down uncircumcised into the nether parts of the earth, which caused their terror in the land of the living. Yet have they borne their shame with them that go down to the pit. They have set her abed in the midst of the slain, with all her multitude her graves are around him, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Through their terror was caused in the land of the living, yet have they borne their shame with them that go down into the pit. He is put in the midst of them that be slain. There is Meshech to and all a multitude of graves around about him, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Hallelujah. Slain by the sword. So these Nephilim are in the land. They're there. They're terrifying. But the children of Israel do fight them. People do fight them. Verse 27 says And they shall not lie with the mighty that have fallen of the uncircumcised, which have gone down to hell with their weapons of war. And they have laid their swords under their heads, but their iniquities shall be upon their bones. Though they were the terror of the mighty in the land of the living. Yea, they shall not, they, thou shalt be broken in the midst of the uncircumcised, and shall lie with them that are slain with the sword. There is Edom, her kings, and all her princes, which with their might are lain by them that are slain by the sword, and shall lay with the uncircumcised, with them that go down to the pit. There be the princes of the north, all of them, All the Zidonians, which have gone down with the slain, with the terror they are ashamed of their might, and they lay uncircumcised with them that be slain by the sword, and bear down shame with them that go down to the pit. Pharaoh shall see them, and shall be comforted over his multitude, even Pharaoh and all his army slain by the sword, saith the Lord God. For I have caused my terror, in the land of the living, and he shall be laid in the midst of the uncircumcised, with them would have the slain with the sword, even Pharaoh and all the multitude, saith the Lord God. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus. Another name for the Nephilim was the reframe. That was another name that was used by him. We look for that in, in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua speaks about it, if you've got your Bibles, look at Joshua 15, verse eight. Hallelujah. And it said, and the border went up by the valley of Himnon unto the south side of the Jebusite. The same is Jerusalem. And the border went up to the top of the mountain that lieth in the valley of Himnon, westward, which is at the end of the valley of the giants northward. Hallelujah. Now, when we read this, we have to say that the children of Israel, they found these things. They found these things. These things was there. So Satan did great damage. Now, we have to say to ourselves, we do have a problem because we know that in the flood, Noah's flood, that all flesh, was destroyed. And we believe this is when the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim came forth because we know they was drowned in the flood. And though their flesh was destroyed, they were supernatural beings, even supernatural beings that have fallen from grace, but their spirits lived and their spirits became the Nephilim. There was even a Nephilim king. If we read Deuteronomy 3, verse 11, we'll look at the conquest of King Og. Hallelujah. Let's read this now, the conquest of Og. Then we turned and went up the way of Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to the battle of Edrei. And the Lord said unto me, fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand. And thou shalt do unto him as thou did unto Shehon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og, also the king of Bashan, and all his people. And we smote him unto none was left for him remaining. Hallelujah. Now, it says, let's go down to verse 11. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. It is not in Rabath of the children of Ammon. Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it after the cubit of a man. Hallelujah. So Gog was a king, King Og, the king of Bashan. And the children of Israel had to take him out. Had to take him out. There was other giants called Anak. And they were descended from Arba. Arba, he dwelt in the south of Palestine near Hebron. Now, I truly believe that it was Satan's intention to impregnate as many women he could, hopefully all the women of the earth, that they may become Nephilim. And certainly in the land of Canaan, that's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. Hallelujah. Now, are the Nephilim about today? Are their spirits about today? Yes, if we believe that the Nephilim are demons, then their spirits are about. We can't argue with that. Their spirits are there. Now, in many years in deliverance, I've prayed for other people. Now, I remember one day I was sitting at home here and I received a phone call from someone I knew who was evangelist. And there was a woman screaming on the other end of the phone. And he said to me, can you help me? And I knew immediately this woman was Indian. And he come off the phone and he put me on to her. And I prayed for her for about six weeks. And she was totally demon possessed. And she had been a Hindu. Now, Hindu worship and Hindu sacrifices invite demons to come. They invite spirits to come. You will see a lot of Indian spirits of funny looking. They've got six arms, either side tree on one side tree on another. Might have an eye, the eye of Osiris in the middle of your head. They may have that. And people worship these things. I believe, because I've studied. The Nephilim and what they do. The Nephilim used to mate with everything. They didn't only mate with the women of the earth. They found fair. They used to mate with animals as well and made hybrid animals. We hear about in Greek mythology, there was a man who was half man and half horse. They call him centaur. We see these gods in Hinduism, elephant gods, Ganesh serpent gods, all of these things were worshiped. Anyway, I started praying for this woman and I led her to the Lord. I got her to say the sinner's prayer. As soon as I'd done that, there was terrible manifestations, terrible ones that were coming out of her. And I was speaking in another language, a language I couldn't understand. So I said to this woman when we had a break, what's happened to you? And she said she'd been cursed by other Hindus. She'd gone to uh, certain services in the Hindu religion and she'd made sacrifices and she'd worship other gods and she'd made solemn pleas to them. And one of the things that she made was solemn pleas that these spirits could take over her body and have sex with her. Now, this maybe comes from the Nephilim because they saw the women in the earth and they saw that they were fair. So I realized this woman was being attacked by certain spirits of sexual violation called Incubus, Eldora and Mare. And when I started praying for her, these spirits started coming out of her. But they wasn't spirits operating like the way I had seen them operate in Christians. So these demons were attacking this woman. Spirits that was revealed at the time were serpent demons, which are called Nagas, N-A-G-A-S. These things also attack Christians. I've prayed for people who feel they're being crushed. They feel a python is wrapped around them and they're crushing them, and the python spirit is also called the the, 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 the Leviathan spirit by certain people and it crushes people. So serpent spirits are available all over the world and they attack people. Certain demons cross over. There is a Hindu demon that is called Arakshasas, and they're demons that haunt cemeteries. We would call them territorial spirits. I have to tell you that one day I went to Birmingham. I used to be a trustee in a church in Birmingham. And one day me and Janice, my wife, was walking to church on this Sunday morning and we took a wrong turn in, And we came out in a large green. And I thought, this is a strange place. New houses was built all around it. We looked at the plaque that was on the railings outside this green, and this was a communal, basically burial ground for people that used to be mad. There was a mental asylum that had been built on this place that had been pulled down now, there. and there's twelve hundred bodies buried under underneath. And there was only the names of six, because these people were mentally ill. And in England at that time, the treatment of those who were mentally ill was appalling. And they was all buried there. I walked around the ground and found witchcraft paraphernalia around the ground, and I realised people had been holding black masses there. Now, people had been frightened who lived in the area. Some American missionaries came, and they were going to bless this place, but they wouldn't set foot on it. They became very, very frightened. And I went down there the next weekend on the Saturday evening. I went down there at 12 midnight on my own. I asked for people to come with the church with me, but they all backed out. And I went down there on my own and I realized that demons were everywhere in this place. And I exercised it with the word of God and with praying. And the next day when I went down there, the place was completely clear. As I sat down on the grass, a dove flew over me. And I realized the Holy Spirit was there. So there are crossover demons. In the Hindu religion, demons that haunt cemeteries and haunt places are called Pishakas. Pishakas. Now, you know demons that haunt places. If you watch the TV and you see some of these programs, these haunted programs from America and some from England, you will find disused prisons, disused hospitals, disused mental asylums are full of demons. When they pray voice recorders there, they pick up the voice of these things that are speaking. Now, the only thing that bothers me about these places, they never use the word of God when they go in there. They always use shamans and mediums, you know, to give them information. And we should never do that sort of thing. These things are totally opposed to us. They're totally opposed to Jesus and they're totally opposed to God. In prisons and in hospitals and mental asylums, these people, people have suffered there. People have died there. There's spirits trapped there. I've seen films of these things and dark shadows have come out. I've seen a home in England, a home in England that had a Muslim couple living there. And there was a spirit there that attached itself to this Muslim woman. And it terrified her and her husband so badly left the home. And an Englishman went in there to find what was happening. as he walked in, it showed a shadow man walking at the top of the stairs. And he went in to confront it. And he said that he could feel it pressing down on every bone. He found it difficult to breathe. Breathe, He had a terrible headache. These things are real. And this is what these things do. Why do some of them have so much power? Well, if they're the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, the Nephilim was huge in strength. If we look around some of our ancient... uh, places. Look in Peru, look in Mexico, look at pyramids. Pyramids are all over the world. If you come to England and look at Stonehenge in Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, my mother was born there. She, you know, she used to tell me about it. You know, they tried to take those stones. They originated from North Wales and they were they, they were taken down in Salisbury Plain. They tried to use the technology in those days, 5,000 years ago, that would have been available to bring these stones down, and they were huge, and they couldn't do it. They tried it even with modern technology, with cranes, but it was very, very difficult. Yet 5,000 years ago, these huge blue stones... Well, put in a ring on Salisbury Plain, buried deep in the earth. Mankind at the time didn't have the technology to do that. But the Nephilim did. I believe they could levitate large objects. They was full of demonic supernatural power. And I believe they led mankind. They controlled mankind. Mankind looked up to them. Men of renown. Men of valor. And they looked up and that's what they did. Hallelujah. In Nigeria, Ishu, E-S-H-U, is a god who protects through witchcraft. You can use that god to attack your enemies, anyone's against you, through a supernatural power called manna. Hallelujah. Manna is a supernatural power. I've had people say to me, um, a woman rung me up once and wanted to confess the sin of witchcraft to me, and I said, what sort of things have you done? And she said, well, many years ago, I went for a job. And there was another lady that was better than me. She was a better candidate for the job. And we both was interviewed, and I believed that she would get the job above me. So I prayed, using this manner, this supernatural power from Nigeria, that the woman wouldn't have an accident. The woman would have an accident, sorry, and she wouldn't attend for the final interview. And when this woman came for a final interview, she got on the bus, tripped and broke her leg. And the woman said she prayed for that. I remember a woman many years ago, uh, she said to me that she had gynecological problems. Now, I'd always be very careful praying for someone with gynecological problems. I would nearly always take a woman or my wife with me. And I went to see this woman and she said, would you help me? I said, why have you rung me up? Are you a Christian? She said, no. So I said, well, where have you been going for help? She said, I've been going to the witch doctor. And he had been making up potions and lotions. And I said, oh, dear, dear, dear. Look, I said, I can't help you. You've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to repent this stuff. And she did do. She repented it. And she said to me also, the man was taking 50 pound off me every time I went to see him. I said, well, I don't want no money from you. We're going to get you to confess your sins, receive Jesus, and be healed. And she was healed. She was healed. The problems stopped. One more testimony. A lady rang me up one day and said to me she had the issue of blood and she'd been bleeding for months. She was living in Canada. And she had a home in Manchester in England. And she said, would I pray for her? And I said, yeah, I'll pray for you. I believe she was demon possessed. All of a sudden she said to me, you're not of this world. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, I'm being told you're an angel. You're not of this world. I don't want you to pray for me. So I said, that's up to you. I said, but I have to tell you I'm flesh and blood like you. All right, pray for me. And I prayed for her. A few weeks later, I contacted her to see how she was, and she rebuked me. She said, your prayers are useless. I knew I shouldn't have allowed you to pray for me. She said, what was speaking to me told me that I shouldn't allow you to pray for me. Well, what was speaking to her was the devil. He was speaking in her head. She decided to go to Nigeria. She met a witch doctor who took her in a dirty, filthy water and bathed her in a dirty, filthy lake. And the bleeding stopped immediately through witchcraft. And she rebuked me. She said, "Ah, oh. I said, but you've got a worse problem now. You've sold your soul to the devil. That's what you've done to stop bleeding. You've got the devil to heal you through witchcraft. She rebuked me, she swore at me, and she told me never to have anything to do with her again. I made a mistake one day and I saw this number and it was her number in my phone book and I rang her and she swore at me, shouted, yelled at me. So I've never had anything more to do with her. That's what Satan does. And that's what the Nephilim do. They take people over. They take people over. One more story I want to tell you about. When I was a young deliverance minister working for Don Stewart's ministry, and all I really was with Don Stewart was an usher to start with, he saw things in me and he gave me more opportunity and more responsibility. I met a lady who said to me that she was being raped every night by the spirit that is called incubus. And she had got married. She had got, took part in an arranged marriage. And when she went to the place in Jamaica where she was due to get married, she was a Jamaican woman and she had two children. And the two children was by an Ethiopian Christian. And she thought they would get married, they would settle down and everything would be fine. But he decided that he wanted to marry one of his own race, another Ethiopian falasha, falashas being the Ethiopian Jews. And she went to marry this guy in Jamaica and it was arranged by an Obia man. Now, Obia is a Jamaican form of sorcery. And she went through various rituals. She was bathed in a bath with rose petals scattered all over it and they poured oil all over her and they said funny words over her. And she said during this bath she felt something enter her with violence, an enormous force. And she married this man and they came back to England and they set up a house in a place called Brixton, which is southwest London. And every night when she got into bed, she would be lifted off the bed and she would be raped violently. If her husband tried to stop it, he would be picked up and thrown across the room. And this was an incubus spirit, a spirit of sexual violation, which I believe you can take right the way back to the Nephilim, the disembodied spirits who went with the women of the earth who they found fair. And she rang me up. And I was only a, a young man in ministry then. And she said, would you come and pray for me? So myself and Janice said, yeah, we'll come and pray for you. So I picked up Janice. She worked near the area and we went there one night and she lived on a block of flats. Then all of a sudden we got out of our car to park adjacent to where our flats was And she stood on her balcony, looked down at us. How did she know we were there? We just pulled up. The demons told her, get that man away from you. Get that man away from you. She opened her balcony and she swore every swear word down at us. And she said these words, which I always remember. We do not want you here, Michael. We went up the stairs. My Wife is also a deliverance minister. She has great anointing when it comes to deliverance. And we went up and we knocked on her door and she opened the door and she started manifesting terribly. We didn't pray for her immediately. We just walked in her house with her. Her two children were there and she was there and all three of them started vomiting profusely. They was getting deliverance on the spot. I thought I would have to fight this huge demon this huge entity but it went she started improving immediately and got completely set free and her marriage was saved her career was saved because this thing would attack her at all times you know she might be at work and it would attack her so it was very difficult to hold down a job this is what we're talking about when we talk about demons this is what we're talking about Now, we spoke earlier about territorial spirits is a term some Christians use to identify demonic occupation of a specific geographical location. It might be an old disused hospital, a mental asylum, hallelujah, and it will be there. Territorial spirits come in the Bible from certain passages. It comes from John 12, verse 31. So turn your Bibles, please, to John 12, verse 31. And let's have a look what it says. And it says this. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Hallelujah. The prince of this world, Satan, he organizes his demons. If there's 133 million of them, he's got lots of people he can organize. Let's remember, he's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent like God is. So he has to organize his spirits and he gives them certain territories to go. And if you like the word haunt, I don't like the word haunt. Jesus spoke before he was crucified in John 14, verse 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and have nothing in me. Remember when Jesus was tempted on the Mount of Temptation, the devil did to Jesus what he does to us. He tempts us. He makes us idolatrous. He offers us favours. I was praying for a man in Scotland once, and this man, a demon before the demon came out, he spoke to me. And he turned around and said, Michael, tell me what you want. I'll give you everything you need. I'll give you power. I'll give you money. Anything you want, just tell me. All I ask of you is you stop doing this work. Stop doing this work. Hallelujah. John 16, verse 11 speaks again and 10 I will speak I will speak this now verses 8 to 12 and when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment that's talking about the Holy Spirit of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, one thing I want to say, we in the modern deliverance ministry look for demons. When I first became a deliverance minister, when I spoke to anyone, I used to look for the signs that there was demonic oppression and The people were struggling against demonic forces. Now, you notice in the time of Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, he didn't look for demons. Satan looked for him. Satan came after him. But many people were brought to Jesus who had demons and he would deal with them. So when we think of the days of the Catholic Church, uh, the Catholic Church now no longer, I don't think, do exorcism or any form of deliverance. I met a lady last year and she definitely was possessed by demons and she was a Catholic and she went to the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church put her through psychotherapy for six months. They wanted to prove that she wasn't mentally ill before they did anything else. Only if she got through that six months and the psychotherapist said she's not mentally ill, there's another reason she behaves this way then they would have passed her on to the Catholic Church's trained exorcist. Now, we in the born-again church, we act immediately. When we see that the devil is on the prowl, if the devil has caused problems, we knock him down straight away. We do all things. Now, as the scripture we know, let's have a look at Ephesians 6 about putting on the whole armor of God. Let's just read that now. Hallelujah. Listen to what they're talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, that is one group of demons, against powers, another group of demons, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, Another group of demons against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hallelujah. These demons are all organized. They're all organized. There are a hierarchy of demons that are sent out to attack the world. What are demons doing today, do you think? I think demons are probably speaking to Vladimir Putin today. And they're saying, go on, Vladimir, the Americans are causing this war in the Ukraine. He thinks the Americans and the West are behind the war in the Ukraine. Give them the big one. Go on, send the nuclear, send the nuclear over to attack them. I believe that's in his mind all the day. But why he doesn't do it? Because one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the restrainer and the Holy Spirit is restraining him. He is stopping him for firing his nuclear weapons. That's what Satan's doing today. He would love to destroy the world because Satan thinks if he causes enough trouble when he destroys mankind, he can stop Jesus coming back. Satan is a joker. Satan. I You know, I have dreams, many, many dreams. Some of the dreams are frightening. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to sleep And I saw this vision, this dream, that the skies were black and there was many black birds flying, flying in formation like fighter jets flying. There was thousands and thousands of them flying across the earth. Another time, I had a vision of demons entering the earth and it was like the game of Pac-Man. There was lines upon lines upon lines of them and they was all coming into the earth. And every now and again, a light would go up from the earth and hit one of these pack men and knock him over. And I realized that the lights was the prayers of the righteous, those who engage in spiritual spiritual warfare. But there wasn't enough lights going up to stop the demons attacking just a few of them were stopped. Most of them got into the earth and in their hands they had bowls. In the bowls there was sex, there was drugs, there was alcohol, there was terrorism, there was disease and they was bringing all these things to the earth. Now I've gone through cancer in the last five years and I truly believe that cancer is a demonic disease. It is a satanic disease. The greatest scientists in the world are medical people. They develop drugs to cure cancer, but the cancer finds a way around the drugs and attacks in another area. When someone has cancer in their body, I had prostate cancer. I had three years where I was completely free of cancer. But that cancer, I knew it was there and I knew it was satanic, that Satan was attacking me, and he's looking to go somewhere else and bring a cancer in a different place of your body. That's what Satan does, and that's what demons do. So when we have problems with demons, we don't have one problem, we have various problems. Now, the problem inherent in the term territorial spirits is that some Christians believe it is their duty to engage territorial demons in spiritual warfare. Now, I went to this graveyard this time, and I engaged all these demons. As I walked across the ground, I felt the earth shaking under me. I was shouting and screaming. It was pitch black shouting and screaming and there was a big oak tree in the middle I laid hands on that oak tree I was probably being arrogant nobody was waiting there to help me so I said well if you don't want to come with me and help me and I asked the pastor I asked his assistant they were all frightened so I said I'll do it on my own I went there and engaged them I've engaged very very powerful spirits and I've always come out okay Uh, sometimes modern deliverance ministry can't be justified by what we read in scripture are we supposed to chase the devil I believe that people who have got demonic problems should tell us they have demonic problems and when I do deliverance I only seek the word of God I don't do it by anything I know the Bible tells us and makes it clear lean not on your own understanding and I never lead on my own understanding. Hallelujah. When we put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6, we are preparing ourselves for battle. But I have to tell you, when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we have to be living a righteous life. The easiest way for a demon to come into your life is through sin. If you're engaging in sin, sexual sin, occult sin, let's look at a real terrible remedy for someone who calls themselves a Christian. Yeah, they go to church on Sunday morning, they lift their hands up and they say, praise the Lord. But when they're in their own house, they're looking at pornography on their computer. They're listening to heavy metal music. They're listening to these things. They're watching films. They're even eating, going out and eating halal food. In London, you've got halal meat shops everywhere you look. Halal food is sacrifice food. It is killed. Halal is a Muslim way of killing meat. When they sacrifice this meat, they play excerpts from the Quran over it. If there's an Iman there available, He will pray directly over the meat. Some Christians believe by saying grace over that meat that they can go and eat it. I've never ate it. Things like kebabs, things that are cooked like that. I've never ate it. I would never eat it. People are opening themselves up through demons. They don't believe they're causing any problems with themselves, but they're opening themselves up to demons. Hallelujah. So we have to be very careful. You notice in the Bible, Jesus never prayed for demons to be bound. He never prayed for them to be bound. He didn't use the terminology we use today. Maybe some deliverance ministers have come away from the Bible and they are leaning on their own understanding. Maybe they had a success once. But remember, the devil will let you have a success to lead you into his plan, to draw you in. So you feel everything's fine. Let's have a look at First Peter five verses eight. I hope you're with me and I hope you like this preaching today. Hallelujah. First Peter five verses eight. I'll just find it now. If I can find it, First Peter, there we go. Five verses eight. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may desire. Hallelujah. Satan will do that. He walks around. When people go to a spiritualist church, I remember one day, a young couple lost their child to cot death. And I knew them I uh, when I worked in the, financial services industry i'd arranged a mortgage for them to buy the house and they were broken they was desperate of course they would be this boy was a wonderful boy a handsome lad and he looked as strong as an ox and yet he died young and they went to a spiritualist who told them that they could contact their son beyond the grave the man rung me and said, tell her not to go. I said, I, I, I told her, I said, speak to me, please. I said, do not go. You're being deceived. You're not speaking to your son. You're speaking to a familiar spirit. What is a familiar spirit? Well, I know certain spirits are designated to look at family trees. They'll know everything about your family. They'll know all the names of the families, They'll know when they died. They know what they died of. And they will compile all this information, if you like, upon a demonic computer. And you go to a spiritualist church and the man will shout out. He may say, is your name Michael? Come up and say, yes, it is. I've got a message for you. And he might give you a name of one of your dead ancestors, maybe your father. Maybe your mother. It could be any sort of person. And automatically, you were drawn. Yes, yes, I want to hear, want to hear. Always happy. And then they will say something to you that only you know. They'll say, how's the old car if you still got it? They may name the make of the car. That is very deceptive. That is familiar spirits who have compiled all that information about your family and about your family tree. They're there to deceive you and we mustn't fall for these deceptions. You see, if Satan appeared like a Trinosaurus Rex and he came and stood outside the houses of Parliament in England, everyone would say that's the devil, leave him alone. If, he's, if he is depicted as a dragon breathing fire, everyone will know what he is. But you see, the devil doesn't work like this. Doesn't work like this at all. Now, I want to give you the names of some of these sexual demons, these demons that sexually violate. Because all over the world, thousands of women, even men, are being tormented by these spirits. One night, I went to a church in East London, and we had a very successful deliverance service there, myself and Janice, my wife. When we came back, very late, early hours of the morning, I slept in bed. All of a sudden, I felt a tremendous weight upon me, upon my chest, upon my legs, and upon my arms. And I woke up and I saw this huge female figure laying across me. And I looked, I wasn't frightened, I woke up. And you know what I did? I give her a right hander, as we say in London. I punch my fist into this thing as hard as I could. And she went immediately and I never saw her again. Now she is, in folklore, called a succubus. A female demon thought to have sexual intercourse with sleeping men. Some men wake up and they feel they've had sex with someone and they're laying in their bed on their own. Women feel the same. An incubus is a spirit or demon. It lies with sleeping persons, especially demons, whom it is thought to have sexual intercourse with. An incubi is a demonic sexual attack on females. An incubus and succubus are drawn towards you if you are engaging in sexual sins. If you're having sex outside the marriage bed, if you're having an affair, if you commit an adultery, I believe that you will be attacked by these types of demons. Causes of lust, people watching pornography. It might be inherited curses from people who have been born out of wedlock. A succubi, a demonic sexual attack on men caused by the same sort of spirit now many people all over the world are suffering for these things I've dealt with hundreds of cases and one thing I will tell you spiritual warfare shall stop it if someone is engaging in sexual behaviour I spoke to a woman lately in Scotland and she had committed adultery she had cheated on her husband she went to a very strict church that didn't believe in deliverance and Her husband was keeping a tight rein on her all the time. She was manifesting very bad. He didn't believe she had demons. But you see how sexual sin, adultery, had drawn this demon towards her. Hallelujah. I know that countless women are being abused in their sleep every night. And many men are being abused. Other names of these spirits of sexual violation are Eldora and Mare. Hallelujah. In every deliverance situation of this nature, one thing is required. Total honesty. If you're in the deliverance ministry and you go to see someone, people have to tell you the truth. Because if you believe You're going to be delivered, and you tell lies to the deliverance minister or the pastor, you won't get delivered. I've even delivered children of this sort of thing. Even children have been attacked by this. Hallelujah. I've seen beds shake, beds shake as I've been praying for them. Their bodies have not been rational, they've shook, they've trembled, they've moved as if they're under a terrible demonic oppression. I myself was a young man. I was lifted up off the bed and thrown on the floor. These things are true, and we have to work on them. We have to work on them. The Eldora and the mayor, especially the mayor spirit, will give you dreams of a dream that believes you are being sexually violated. These are caused by charms and enchantments by night used by witches and warlocks. I had a bad back some years ago and I'm sleeping downstairs on the settee because I found the bed uncomfortable. And it was about two o'clock in the morning and floated through my back door came demons. They came through and approached me and I had to stand up and do spiritual warfare against them. I don't know what I... what the neighbours would have thought if they'd had heard me but I went against them went against them and they left and they were truly demons earlier that day I'd been praying for two young women who were members of a witch's coven and I prayed that they be delivered straight away hallelujah I realise that many people tend to think that screaming yelling, screeching, stomping and shouting are required to defeat the devil. I've seen deliverance ministers who shout uncontrollably. They lose their voice. They run around stomping. Sometimes crowds who come to deliverance meetings look to see this thing. I remember once when I used to ran a Saturday evening deliverance service in North London. A lady came in who I'd never saw before. And I said, hello there, how can I help you? Is there anything Pacific you need help with? She said, no. I was told that you cast 20 demons out of a woman. i just come to see the spectacle. I asked her to leave the church. I said, we don't want that. We don't want it at all. You don't have to shout and scream at the devil. You have to be sure in your faith. If you're a deliverance minister, you have to be totally, totally, totally surrendered to Jesus Christ, your Lord. When you go into the deliverance field, you're not doing anything. It's Jesus that's doing it all. So shouting is not necessary, but faith is necessary. And you must be conversed with the deliverance scriptures. And it nothing will work unless you're living a holy and consecrated life. If we deliberately or by negligence have allowed sinful strongholds to remain in our lives, if we know we've done something we've never confessed of it, it's doing us danger. Now I've been told, I was told this morning that, when I come on this program, I've got to pray for everyone with cancer. And I'm gonna pray for every listener today with cancer because sometimes we create our own problems. Well, we know if we smoke many cigarettes, that there's a chance we'll get lung cancer. Certain foods. I was told when I was diagnosed with cancer, I couldn't eat processed foods like ham any food that had been processed i had to eat natural foods that's another thing but i'm going to pray now for everyone who's suffering with cancer anywhere in the world we're going to stand against it now we're not going to accept it and we're not going to become so sad and distressed that we don't pray to god anymore i believe god wants to hear from us So I say this now, Father God in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, Holy Spirit, our Comforter. We place everyone before the throne of grace now because the Bible says we can come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain help and mercy in time of need. And we lift all cancer sufferers to you, Lord, And by this I'm praying for all Christians, all born again believers, who have been stricken with cancer. Cancer anywhere in their bodies, Lord. We know these cancers are demonic. And we know that they're brought to people by demonic behavior, smoking, drinking, sexual immorality. Any part of our body can be attacked if we haven't repented of the sins. And I say now, Lord, and I pray for everyone now, and I say, merciful Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow man by thought, by word, by deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, and we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. And we banish every tumour, every lump, every cyst, every cancerous growth. We banish it from everybody in the world now. And we say that God didn't create us to give us cancer. Cancer is not our portion. Cancer is not our reward. He has said, Beloved, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health as thy soul prospereth. Hallelujah. And Psalm 97 says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. So we pray now, that everyone listening who has got cancer. We command your cancer to leave immediately. We command that it goes straight away. It has no authority. It has no power. It has no dominion over you. Wherever that tumor is in your body, it must leave immediately in the name of Jesus Christ. It must go and never return. We break the curse of cancer. We break the spoken word that has Cursed you with cancer, we break witchcraft, voodoo, juju, yinka, shango, and banda. Anyone who has cursed you with sickness like cancer and with cancer, we break those curses now. And we pray now, in the blessed name of Jesus Christ our Lord, that you will all get a good report the next time you have a blood test or you have an x ray. For Jesus is the God that heals us. And I say this from the book of Malachi before I leave. Unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Amen. God bless you all.
1: Brother Michael, what a great teaching today. What would you like to title this for the archive? Uh. uh, uh
2: Christian demon demonology I suppose. Christian hey demonology. I like that.
1: Okay perfect. Yeah. Okay. Brother Michael tell people how they can make contact with you and how can they support your ministry?
2: Well I pastor a church in northwest London in a place called Kilburn. It's called Kilburn Christian Fellowship. If you put that in on your search engine you will find it online. If you want to listen to to other preachings i did a preaching last sunday on the power of the holy spirit people said it was very good you can find other preaching if you wish to support my ministry uh, i have an email account which is frame f-r-a-m-e cummins cu 123 at AOL.com. There is a PayPal account on that email address. So if you wish to support me, you can support me. Another way I would love you all to support me is support me in prayer. Support me in prayer, please, because I fight demons on a daily basis. Hallelujah. You know, every deliverance ministry, when we think of Derek Prince, He had various illnesses in his life. A.A. Allen had addiction problems throughout his life. So many of us have to fight the devil for our own lives as well as for others. So keep me in prayer, please. It's wonderful to be on Omega Man Radio. Wonderful. And I will see you soon and I will find another great subject to preach on. I'd like to thank Shannon for giving me this opportunity to come on this wonderful radio station and teach about deliverance God bless you all
1: praise the Lord brother it's an honor to work with you and uh, another great teaching tonight looking forward to being on with you again next week folks Amen. we'll get this in the archive share it with a friend and uh, brother God Richie bless you thank you for coming on today
2: thank you and I'll contact you on Tuesday
1: sounds okay. good Thank you, brother.
2: God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye.
1: And I want to thank Maria and London for connecting us with Brother Michael. What a powerful ministry. Ministry of Deliverance. Folks, I want to thank you for tuning in. Love you all. Uh, That's going to be it for now, but we'll be back tonight, God willing, at 7 o'clock. And tonight, we're going to have on... um, Benjamin Brooke, It's been a while. He'll be back on tonight and several other great programs for you. John Gogan, Joseph Ferrara, speak my word. We'll see you later. God bless you all.